0: Hi, this is Dennis Kitchen. You're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. I have absolutely no reservations about that one. Here we are. are End of a long, long day.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's why I'm, I'm refraining from uh, asking how your day went, but... Um.
0: Ah, it's, it was a lot of work today. Because of being away for so long, Everything stacked up, and we're just trying to meet production. It's, it's just <clears throat> constant working, you know? Constant printing, constant designing. Uh, the, the one thing that I wish I didn't have to do is uh, talk to people. A lot of people do not take the COVID into consideration as a reason for why their stuff is late. And I tell them, we haven't been here for close to, what, almost two months, right? Yeah. How could you yeah. expect us to get your work done when we it's haven't selfishness. been Selfishness. Really? And they're just it's, it's, like, oh, well, I ordered this eight weeks ago. And I was like, okay, that's great. But we haven't been here for close to that. So how could we right. possibly get your work And it's goofy shit. Like... Whatever. Hey, everybody! Hey! Hi! It's 11 o'clock comics, episode 678, and I'm
1: Vince B. You are Vince B. 678 already. Feels like three days ago we just did 677. I am David A. Price.
0: It's kind of a magic number. Yes, it is. Yeah. Unfortunately, the magic is gone with Jason. Uh, He's having massive problems with his uh internet setup um he he wanted to be here uh but unfortunately and i think he was was for a little while in the beginning he
1: was for a minute um and he was in spirit and then he was still able to participate uh we were his mouthpiece um he got to ask some questions and and uh through us yeah totally unexpected
0: questions too I, I, I would never ask him, to, uh, expect him to talk about business and
1: profits. Business? And,
0: yeah. yeah, but so no, Jason Woo, at least not in the uh, beginning and ending of this episode. Uh, but we love him and we miss him all the same. If you would like to get your comics, get them fast, get them cheap, get them delivered right to your very door. Where do you go? Well, it's not a very hard question. There's only one place to go, and that's Discount Comic Book Service. DCBService.com has everything you want at the price you want to pay. Here's the specials for this month as I selected them. Painstakingly perusing the list of specials and thinking, wow, these would be very nice to spotlight. From Dynamite, they have an imprint called the Atlas Comics Signature Series. This is a new thing. Uh, it is Mars Attacks Red Sonia number one. As I said last episode, I do not know if this is an ongoing or a limited series, and I don't really care because I'm going to buy it anyway. Uh, it's written by John Lehman with art by Fran Struken. Lucio Perillo did the cover art, uh, one of the covers anyway. The cover price is the standard Dynamite $3.99, but you can bring it into your man cave or woman cave for the paltry price of $1.99. From IDW, and those are three letters you're going to hear a lot during the following interview. Uh, it's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Last Ronin, number one of five. Kevin Eastman, Peter Laird, Andy Kuhn. Wow! Um, it does my heart good to see Eastman and Laird at least doing something together. Maybe to lead to more stuff. Who knows? Uh, the cover price on this is eight ninety nine. It is uh, upscale in both format and page count, so you're getting more for your money. But you're getting a lot more from your for your money because you're going to discount comic book service and you're getting it at half off. That's four dollars and forty nine cents. And last, but certainly not least, The Sumerian is back at a blaze this time. People of the Black Circle, number one, uh, written, of course, by Robert E. Howard, but adapted by Sylvian Runberg and artist Jay Kwong Park. This is a three ninety nine comic that you can have for 45% off, $2.19. So you know where to go. Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com will bring you lots of books for not a whole lot of money. Mm. Yeah. It's the truth. It We're talking about uh, manipulating and and wrangling the truth to make it uh, succumb to your will. There's no falsehoods about Discount Comic Book Service being the best. That's flat out truth. So what am I talking about when I, when I just said that? Well, we have with us tonight uh, a man who's been here before, and he does a lot of th- stuff within comics. And uh, we learned tonight, young readers' books, too. Um, it's Craig Yeo. You know who he is. I don't have to introduce him, but I did anyway going into the interview, just in case some of you don't know. And he talked about a lot of stuff, not the least of which is Life on the Moon. By Robert Grossman, a book that has been nominated for an Eisner Award in the category of Best Graphic Album New. Now, um, the competition is very strong. Uh, Are you listening? By Tilly Walden, Bezmina by Nina Bunjavec, Bottom Feeders by Ezra Clayton Daniels and Ben Passmore new world by david jesus vignoli and kim deech's reincarnation stories all of those um are nominated in addition to life on the moon by robert grossman so it's going to be wow i mean it's going to be neck and neck i'm guessing between two books what do you think Mm -hmm. i'm thinking bottom feeders and life on the moon are going to be duking it out i loved reincarnation stories and they may give the nod to Dietsch because he's up there in age and has done a lot for comics, and they may say, all right, I don't know how people vote. I don't know what their tendencies are, but if I was going to bestow this award, I've only read, I've read three of these. Based on what I've read, um, Life on the Moon is a very, very, very strong contender.
1: And people, uh, I Tilly is 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 a favorite. Um, I have not read that. I have read Bottom Feeders. I have read Life on the Moon. Um, it is it's it is a good like. Looking at the contenders for the other nominees, the other categories, um, there aren't a lot. I, I'm not I'm not seeing a lot that like would have me biting my nails to to. Guess who would win um, yeah i am I am concerned with with the best graphic album, with the new best graphic album because i i, I we talked about our feeders, we enjoyed it um if you could say enjoyed it was it was it was an entertaining tale and and, and it made us think, and we spoke on it for a bit um I, I, I really liked what Ezra and Ben did
0: yeah, it's a great book, but I don't believe it has the reach the scope of Life on the Moon. Um, bottom on, Feeders, I, I, it takes place in this... It's like a one-set play.
1: Yes. Right? Yeah, one-act play. One, yeah, one-scene one play. Right. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Well, where you have Life on the Moon has a number of thematic elements and locales. I'm not trying to denigrate Bottom Feeders. It was great. No, no. But it, I think there's one that's wide open and one that's very focused on a certain thing and that's not a bad element
1: of it bottom feeders is going to make you feel something by the time you're done with it and and it will probably put you in the mood to act on something and and that's great and and i applaud that and 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 again it's it's a it's a little book and 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 i absolutely adore it um but i couldn't if it wasn't for work, I would have read Life on the Moon in one sitting. It 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 is, it's it's engrossing. It's um, there's it, it's it's a fantastic yarn, and and without knowing, I, I didn't know what it was about about until I got to the end. One Grossman explained, "This is what this is based on," and because uh, I didn't read the solicit when when it was offered, and um, it it was it's. And 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 I mentioned it when when we talked to Craig about it, and, and the fact that you know it is it's 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 a different. Um, he 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 takes that germ of an idea and and he runs with it, and and it's nonstop, and 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 because you, know, you think you're just reading a story about this guy, and, and and he he does, he ends up down on his luck because his entire world falls apart, and it was well, all some. Uh, it may have been some elaborate ploy by someone, and, and 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 just and then you go in a different direction because the person they, they they meet someone else who tells his story, and and it just it it, well, it, it keeps be, giving.
0: Yeah, but that's he he bottomed out because of a lack of due diligence on his
1: part. If he does just put uh, yes, a, no, I, a I little noticed. bit of yes, effort yes, in yes. checking it's, the, the right, facts, right? You know, yeah. you, you uh, own own your actions and and right. take responsibility but, for it. He still though i mean he he it wasn't he brought it to his editor he brought it to he brought it to the the publisher and the guy was like yeah we're gonna run with this and 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 so you know yeah at no point he could have said let me uh, let me see if this is valid and then we wouldn't have had the story we had so yeah it was it wasn't entirely self-inflicted because of the era it's not like it's today where you can go online go to snopes and go is this true did the politic fact check this and and but you know you, you look at everything else going on in the world but but it, it allowed us to then be introduced to other characters right. uh, actual historical figures and maybe a not so accurate historical setting but still it it just it the life on the moon just takes on a life of its own i I absolutely would recommend this to to anybody i i think it's i i would like to gift this to people um just because i i enjoyed the story and and there's there's something in this there's something in life on the moon i think everyone can enjoy everyone will get a kick out of something in it yeah
0: yep um but you'll hear a lot more about it in less than 30 seconds because okay. the man responsible to, for bringing it to you, Mr. Craig Yo, speaks with us on the subject. So go listen to that, and we'll tidy up at the end. Well, our guest this week wears a lot of hats. In the uh, comic book arena, he's an artist, he's an art director, he's a comics historian, he's a curator. Remember, from IDW, we got single issues of Popeye, Haunted Horror, Weird Love, Haunted Love, the awesome hardcover archive series, the chilling archives of the horror comics. He recently put out a book uh, with Clover Press called Pirates. He's also a publisher of uh, books various and sundry. You got Jungle Girls, Super Weird Heroes, Reefer Madness, stuff on Ditko and Frizetta. He has an upcoming book on pre-cord, pre-code crime comics, giveaway comics, black comic artists, and many more I'm sure he'll tell you about. But we've gathered specifically tonight to talk about his Eisner-nominated book by Robert Grossman called Life on the Moon, which was published by himself and IDW. You've heard him here before. You know him. It's Mr. Craig Yo. Wow, thank you. Uh, we're
2: not just... Uh thinking about all the things you tell me i've done well it's true and, uh, though you
0: got a lot of stuff i, li-
2: I like if, if you don't mind uh i hope this doesn't make you feel bad because it should make you feel good i'm i'm very intrigued by your just dis- your phrase of pre-cord comics <laughs> 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 See, well That's now they know i really haven't done but you gave me credit for and and uh I would like to maybe collect
0: some pre-cord comics. Pre-cord, <laughs> the pre-cord comics were created in the womb before yeah, the... Yes, or
2: maybe even before that. Yeah, you never know. If it's pre
0: <laughs> Well, you're
2: right. I don't know. Let's not get into the whole biology of that.
0: <laughs> but listing all of the things that you've done is like, I, I left a ton out. It seems like you have tendrils in every corner. Of the the comics publishing industry, and you 've been doing it for a long time well you know, you
2: know I, 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 I realized early on that uh, you, you know uh, we're all fellow creatives in one sort or another, but if you have a maybe a few more creative genes uh, in in your post chord body, uh, you realize that you get bored easy as a creative person and, and I can really get bored easy, so I, I want to wear a lot of hats. I want to put on a a clown hat and and, and publish a you know a, a book of Frazetta's funny stuff, and I want to put on a a, a sailor hat. Uh, we, we did a a, a book c- uh, collecting uh, Navy stories for the Naval Institute Press a couple of years ago, and uh, you know I just uh, you know uh, I haven't put on a cowboy hat yet. I haven't quite figured out how to. To market cowboy comic books, but you know, uh, I, I might put on a, a uh, one of those uh, little hats that the criminals used to wear whenever they cracked safes. You always see those hats, the guys cracking safes in the cartoons. You know, so I'm, i I want, so I might do crime comics, as you said. I'm going to. So I, I trust, I, I, I take your word for that. Uh, actually, we're going to be doing that with a, a fellow we mentioned off air c- called uh, Steve Brower, and he's He's putting together a terrific crime comic for us, and we're and we're just about uh, to publish a, uh, a, a a book of Pete Maurice's, uh Johnny Danger crime comic. So, I, what I'm saying is, I like to put on a lot of hats. I like to have my fingers in a lot of pies, and I mean, I
0: like I like the whole world of comics. I always did. Mister. Brower's my mentor of sorts. You know that, and uh, yeah. He's another guy that just dives in head first. He recently put out a book with Fadna Graphics called uh, Comics Admin. Like you, you I guys did
2: that book. That sounds great. Oh, it is
0: it's very good. But it seems like you both are the type of person that progress through life not doing less as you get older. You do more. And it's you're you're both kind of inspiring to me at fifty, knowing that you could just keep kicking this stuff out like crazy all the way through. You know,
2: and, I, I it's interesting. I, I do feel uh, even amidst this uh, pandemic where I, I feel very inspired right now. And, uh, you know, I do have a lot of energy and there's I, I, do, I, I have got a lot of projects going on at this very moment. And, uh, you know, I and I feel like it, at my age, people used to retire and sit in a rocker and then just, you know, keel over, you know, after a few months or years, you know, and it's just like they, they petered out, you know, but I feel like I've got this lifelong knowledge that i've built up and i've got the you know the chops and the energy and the the vision and people sometimes ask me where do you get your ideas and i'm thinking like are people lacking ideas that i don't lack ideas i lack the time to do it and i don't know how much time i have left to do them but you know i i imagine i'm not going to finish them all all the ideas that i have right now you know so uh I don't know. It's exciting. I, I find I'm, I'm very energized. I'm very psyched uh, to be working on stuff. I'm nervous just talking about it. It's, I want to I w- I sign off right now so I can get back to work, but, <laughs> but I'll,
0: I'll, I'll shoulder on here. It does not work that way. Uh, so, as, <laughs> as we said, um, one of the main reasons we've gathered tonight is to talk about life on the moon by Robert yeah. Grossman, which was, as I said, nominated for an Eisner Award as, uh, for the Best Graphic Album New Category. I'll be honest. You know, I, I, go ahead, be I, honest. I'll be very honest. I read it for the first time yesterday in one sitting, and wow, it, it just it completely captivated me. I didn't notice the passing of time um he he pulled me into the story uh as outlandish as it is it's it's just so parts of it are so far-fetched you wonder if it could happen in the real world and then you look out your window and it's like well yeah it's kind (laughs) of happening right now uh but the characters um the the outlandish settings it's it's just a completely enthralling book And i was like how did i how did i miss this because it's been out for how long well, it's
2: been it's been out for uh, a, a, almost a year, and uh, it's it, it's a secret. <laughs> you know, we're only letting a few people know about it. But uh, the the Eisner nom, which I'm not surprised at, because I mean, Eisner judges uh, think long and hard, and they're very astute people. So when they they probably read it for the first time uh, when we submitted it, because it hasn't it hasn't gotten out there. He's a giant. In the illustration uh, and media world, up outside of comics, but Robert Grossman isn't known like he should be within comics. Uh, so, so I, I think I think a lot of people missed it. So it's it's a it's a wonderful secret, and now we're trying to make it known. Especially now that we're up for nomination, we hope hope people do read it. We've made it available for free. It's like an eighteen dollar download. I think, but we we made it for free when you go to IDW, and uh, you just uh not be uh and you, you go there and you it's, the, it's the end of checking out. You just you know that's when you get your hundred percent discount. So, uh, but we want people to read it because it is engrossing. I, I went. He con- he contacted me. We were friends on Facebook, and I don't think I'd ever met Robert before, but as an illustrator outside of myself i sort of knew that he was a giant in that field and he i mean he did like 500 magazine covers you know for rolling stone and new york magazine and time magazine and national lampoon he did the the airplane poster the famous airplane tied to knot for that movie and you know he, he was just quite renowned in, in that field uh so when he contacted me, he said, I have a graphic novel I want you to publish. I mean, I was a little flabbergasted. And uh, so I went down to the village and met him at lunch. And I paged through this notebook that he, he had made printouts of this book. And uh, obviously, he, I think he worked on it over a decade. It was obviously like the the artwork blew me away. I mean, it's it's at the same time very detailed, yet very you know, yet very easy on the eyes, you know, I mean, he he puts a lot of detail in it to make it rich and uh, wonderful to look at, but you don't get bogged down in the detail, and, you know, not, the story moves along so nicely, wouldn't you agree? Oh, yeah, and
0: there's a lot of the story.
2: So this book, the setting is incredible. It's actually about the fake news, the original fake news. Uh, There was a circulation wars between all the great new york newspapers new york city newspapers in the 1830s and the new york sun came up with this fake news series about life on the moon they claimed in the first of six articles that they discovered life on the moon through this giant telescope uh from uh, this british guy and uh then they over the course of uh, the next few weeks they detailed all the life on the moon all the animal life and the and the beings that inhabited the moon, and just enthralled the public, and they sold, they could, they couldn't print the newspapers fast enough, and they were winning the circulation wars with this original fake news. And this is the setting that Robert Grossman's "Life on the Moon" book uh, is based around, and it's it's just fascinating. I mean, I mean, he takes the fake news. And builds a story and the characters around that, but he uses real characters too, like everybody from Edgar Allan Poe to uh, Audubon, and uh, you know just all kinds of uh, famous people of the time as as part of the whole milieu of the of the story. But he just does it in such an artful way; it's just brilliant. Like you, it's like engrossing. The characters are great. There's humor. There's science fiction. There's plot twists, and there's romance and there's certainly some sexiness and uh you know it's just uh, uh amazing all the characters and that he's uh created and and the re- real people and how they interact with them and just the, the whole thing is it just it just amazed me because when it, i i i first he called me up our I guess he contacted me through Facebook because we were friends there, and, and I certainly knew his reputation as an illustrator. Myself, I knew he was a giant in the illustration field. He he illustrated over five hundred magazine covers for National Lampoon and Rolling Stone and Time Magazine. He did the airplane poster for for that uh, first airplane movie, the you know the famous iconic image of the airplane tied in knot. And he was yep. just mm-hmm. like a a, a giant. In that field, but he was unknown outside the comics field, and that's why we're we're stumping for him for his book because uh, people need to get to know it. I really do think that it's a, a masterpiece, and it it, 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 it it's uh, in the rarefied uh, top graphic novels of all time. I mean, it's just a uh, it's just such a, a delight, such a satisfying story, and like you say, it really moves along. It does.
0: I think there's a v- a subtlety to it and a an elegant twist on the concept of fake news because what he could have done was stick a little bit more to the truth and have Locke just write the story out of thin air just to save uh, the newspaper but what he does is he has Locke receive an anonymous package Uh, here's a story from this Edinburgh Journal of Science take a look at this I think it's going to you know perk, you, perk your eyes up and he sees the the fact that there's life discovered on mood and he takes the story and just transfers it to his newspaper but the the thing that got me is he never checks the facts yeah he just blindly takes this story and <laughs> copies it verbatim into his newspaper without thinking to himself maybe this is bullshit maybe there's not life on the moon this is so crazy that it i think the bases need to be covered we have to check our facts but he doesn't do that and i think that is closer to real life than had he just written the story uh at no, least, consi- he, saw, at least- he,
2: he saw a great marketing idea he he flashed on newspapers being sold he flashed uh you know it's not to say that this uh story you know in the in the basic concept and conceit of it could could be torn out of today's headlines is like is like a big understatement you know it's like you know now we're trading on fake news and now facts don't matter even if it's around science and and our health and and you know and in the fate of our world the facts don't matter it's, right uh, can we uh sell newspapers or or make tweets or win elections by, you know, just spouting off, uh, you know, ideas, right. airbrained
0: ideas. And it's really cool that Edgar Allan Poe is the poster child for the blue states. Be, because. Uh, <laughs> that was great. Yeah. Was uh, great. Just to explain to the listener, there's a dinner party in which Locke attends, and uh, they're talking about the whole story and, and how wonderful it is. And Edgar Allan Poe says it's a hoax. And Locke is. Flabbergast. He's like, what do you mean, sir? He's like, really, it's a hoax. He goes, if you look at the magnification capabilities of um, the telescope, there's no way that it could get within five miles of the surface. And you're telling me that someone can see animals and crystals and water and fauna and flora in five miles? He goes, it's a complete fabrication. And they they regard Poe as a, a, a kook, uh, right. a nut job. <laughs> In, in, when in reality, he was doing what all people should do. Check the facts, do the calculations, see if, you know, check your sources and make sure that this stuff is true. But, so Poe does it and he's like, ostracized because of it. Get out of here. Crazy Poe with your raven and you don't know what you're talking about. But in reality, <laughs> he, he did know. So I think, I mean, there's a lot of parallels to to modern life in this book that um they while they don't scream out at you if you just take a, uh, a couple of seconds after you've digested a, a section and just reflect there's i mean it's it's unbelievably uh, uh prescient and current yeah
2: yes i mean grossman grossman was certainly uh, uh on, on the left side of politics but he didn't do this book like i'm going to you know speak to the about the world of of 2019 2020 because he the decade he spent working on it was before that right but uh i mean i think it's just i I don't know if we should call it happy circumstance but uh uh as far as marking the book it's happy but as far as the state of the world it's not so happy yeah but you know this book really does so much reflect uh so many things going on now and uh it's just, it's really quite remarkable. But like, but, but, but I'm so glad that you found it this way because when, when, when I, I met with, uh, he, Robert asked me to come pick up his graphic novel. He had uh, printed his had his son scan it. He printed it all out and put it in a notebook and, and he treated me to dinner down the village near, uh, around the corner from his studio. And he, we, we had a fine lunch and he regaled me with his stories about his, his good friend, Harvey Kurtzman and uh, all this kind of good stuff. And, uh, then he handed me the book just as we were about to, uh, check out and, and I, I flipped through it and saw that the artwork was amazing, but I didn't, I, I didn't, I just knew him just as a great artist, but I had no, I had no idea or expectations that he, he might be, you know, good on the writing side of it. So, and, and as we all know, they're Comics uh, have a history of many of them being great on the artwork, but maybe weak on the story. Uh, And uh, so, you know, I was kind of deeply crossing my fingers that so for when I got home that I would find that maybe he he, maybe he, he could cobble together a story, too, that would be part of this artwork. And then as I started reading it, this wonderful world with these wonderful characters and so in a story that was so engrossing and funny and magical and full of mystery and plot twists and i was just taken taken away taken taken by how, that he was not only a great artist but a a, a great novelist a great writer he, he was just you know everything you would want in a great story was there uh so you know i was so so thrilled and and uh sadly uh just a few months before we you know the, the book came out robert passed and uh you know it's just so sad that this this that his son says this he feels this is his uh favorite project it was his magnum opus you know he spent a decade working on it and and uh you know he, he just uh he, he didn't live live to see it its fruition so uh
0: that's
2: a little a bit, bitters, there's a bittersweet side to this uh, t- to this book, and, to, and it's another reason. Uh, I'm, I'm ho- Trump's always saying so and so is looking down from heaven. Uh, I, I hope right now that uh, Grossman's looking down from heaven see- and see- sees that he got this Eisner nomination. And uh, our, uh, my fingers are still crossed. Now they're crossed that, that you know maybe he can. Uh, Cross the line. I mean, it's always good uh, to be nominated. We we all know that, but um, you know, I'm 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 hoping uh, he garners that great prize too because it's, the the book certainly is worthy of it.
0: Yeah, um, I I hope so too because I think it's uh it's very different from the other books nominated. Yes, uh, which is is a good thing. Um, yeah, but it I,
2: stands I, out. There, and there's some great books nominated by some great. Uh, writers and artists, so certainly he's got, Robert's got some competition, worthy competition.
0: Sure. I mean, if you're running up against Kim Dietsch, that right. that's some stiff competition, yeah.
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: But um, back to the the theme of the book, uh, in which you said, um, it's not a, a thing written in uh, reaction to contemporary life. One of the things I, I pulled away from it, too, is it doesn't lean to any side it's 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 neither right nor leftist politics yes uh what it's i think it's a cautionary tale of manipulated truths being appropriated by groups or individuals for their own agenda i was stunned when after the news came out of all this life on on the moon that the uh the religious component of it, they grabbed onto it and they said, see, this is proof that our Lord and Savior created all things good and he made life on the moon. And then they thought, well, hmm, um, maybe there was no forbidden fruit on the moon. Maybe it's a paradise. Maybe that's where we go when we die, to the moon. Yeah, maybe... Maybe Jesus visited the moon and talked to everybody and he thought they were better than us. So that's where the good stuff goes to the moon. And I'm thinking, <laughs> wow, if, if this was real life, the religious, uh, comp- they would have just been up in arms and, and wow, this is the, the devil's working. So it's nice to see that he, he was aware of the fact that groups, uh, individuals, they twist and they, they mangle information. For their own agendas and it goes through the the whole book no matter what character they'll take um, existing information and they kind of like bend it to to their will a little bit and that's just i mean it's not refreshing it's actually scary but it's nice to see a reflection of what is transformed through the lens of fiction in quotes
2: yes you know i mean we're we're sort of because it it is uh, you know great to kind of get together and talk about how it, it is so relevant to our times but it, it's it's not a book really with a giant political no uh agenda you don't feel like you're reading some kind of political tract, or right it's propaganda. not dry at all yeah it's it's a it, it it's a wonderful you know engrossing delightful story you know and and there is a there is a component of politics and how the press works and how people manipulate things but really it's it's so much about the characters and surprises and and uh you know personalities and that that, that you love and hate and are intrigued by and you know it, it, it's it's just a, a book with great characters and a great plot and great and great artwork to tell it and it's just it's 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 just a it's a, just a darn good story. You, you feel very satisfied while you're reading it, and then big satisfaction at the end. And you, it's one of those things that oh, I wish it could go on, keep going on. It's right. Just so, it does so. not
0: feel like a four hundred page book. No. it really, no, it really no, doesn't.
2: It, it's very. It's there's a lot of detail and a lot to take in and a lot of characters, but it's at the same time very breezy. It moves right along, and it's it's in, it's enjoyable. It's like it's, it's so enjoyable reading it, as I've done numerous times now, you know, so.
0: Yeah. The inclusion of P.T. Barnum was a masterstroke.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that
0: was great, right? Well, if there's anybody that manipulated the truth to his own ends, it was P.T. Barnum.
2: And delighted in it, you know. And yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, yeah, I mean, we've got Charles Goodyear in there, and like you said, Edgar Allan Poe, and just you know, all these Audubon uh,
1: and the uh, name dropping Audubon. with, uh, with, with, I, I bought this revolver from Mr. Colt. There's I, I, I'm thanks to star Trek and it shows like sliders. And Fr- I'm, I'm a fan of, of, of alternative history. And the fact that there's th- that, 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 this goes in Forrest Gump territory, um, with, interactions with people like ed poe and uh i i was i was absolutely i couldn't put it down i mean from I'm, I'm i'm swiping the pdf and and i just i'm looking each panel is just it 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 just it looks like it would be drawn as if the story was being told at the time it it, it just it the the line work the 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 clothes the contraptions i mean when they were extracting the whale oil it's basically it's a giant syringe and and the way the, the the machine is 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 configured it looks like fingers and a thumb it's just it's i you know and he's talking about highways and things like that and and it's it's just it really is like you i wouldn't know that this was created in in the past twelve I would I, I would look at this and think, you know, this is something that someone in the fifties made as if, you know, they were still talking about a story taking place in the early early twentieth century. It it's I, I think it's absolutely amazing.
2: Yeah, yeah. And and all the beasts and the you know the unicorns and the bison and the bipedal tailless beavers and, and even intelligent humanoids with bat like wings. I mean it's like Oh, uh, flying through the air! I mean, it's just like wow. I mean, it's it, it's a world I, I I enjoyed reading about, but it's a world I would like to live in. It is, there is kind of a a paradise that was made? Uh, that maybe there's a paradise lost, but this paradise was found by by the people in the story by Robert Grossman himself. Mm-hmm. He found this paradise to to enthrall us with. You know, it's yeah. like it's it's really amazing.
0: Uh, if you told me there's a place with naked bat women sucking on bananas uh <laughs> I, I would ask you how do I get there <laughs>
2: <laughs> Well uh just download the book friend. Yeah there you go
0: <laughs> Uh it it's a very vivid depe- that that could be said for any of the the uh realities within the book whether it's the the animals and the creatures on the moon or way back in new york city uh the brothels very vividly depicted it's like there's there's modules to this story uh when uh, a sequence of events causes something to change like when when lock gets uh his comeuppance whether he deserved it or not it changed changes to this brothel sequence and then we go to the uh finding of the journal and i'm not going to spill the beans because i think people should read this i won't give out all the pertinent information because it's it's an awesome read when, when the the original manuscript is found it leads to another little module of reality in which a story is told about the moon and how this person got there i just think it's neat it's like uh, he he plugs in these these plots and subplots Willy nilly, and it all comes together in this really cool story that, like you said, I mean, I I can't praise it enough. I I thought, I I went into it thinking, oh, this looks interesting because there's bare breasted women on the cover. I thought, yeah, (laughs) I'm gonna, I'll, I'll take a stab at this. It looks right up my alley. But once he's very subtle, and once you, you, you step foot over the line into his world here, he just, he's relentless in the fact that he will not let you go. And, and, I was I was just lovingly guided through this book and it worked for me. I think it's very very worthy contender.
2: Yes, yeah. uh, it's uh, you know uh, win or lose. I'm glad you discovered it, and I guys I know you guys have a quite a reach and enthusiastic audience about comics. So uh, it's a pleasure to be on the show and talk about. But I'm just really glad that you recognize it, as I did. And, and again, you can kind of picture me like. Hopefully, seeing the artwork, you know, quickly after lunch and looking at it look, as I'm driving down the, ho, ho, the West Side Highway, trying to kind of page through it, but I still couldn't read it. But then once I read it, it was just like, "Whoa, this is like amazing!" You know, and yeah. you know, I have a, I have this incredible manuscript that I'm going to get to publish. It's just like it, it blew me away, you know. And then after reading that story, I was just like wow, this is as good as comics get.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, David commented on the art, and I have to echo it. I think there's a timeless quality to the Mm. the line work, but uh, there are sections, uh, especially in the panorama, when we see the moon and the the bat creatures all lounging around with their uh, mates and, and kids and the animals. I think Grossman's stuff looks like your work a little bit, too. Because I, I thought I saw eyeballs dangling from the tree, and I'm like, holy shit, that's, Craig does that stuff all the time. You think maybe he was influenced by me? You never know.
2: <laughs> or do you think... No, wait, let's not go there. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but I mean, obviously, he he draws in, in, in a grand tradition. I mean, because of the setting in the 1830s, there is a Victorian feel to it in, in, in a detail, yet because he was so youthful his whole life right up to his passing uh, there, there's always been a freshness to to his artwork and he's he was i mean there is there was a a a army of people that 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 were influenced by him talking about people that might have been influenced by him there was an army of people that were influenced uh by him when when he was doing all these These magazine covers, these five hundred magazine covers for all the top magazines. There was a a million guys who aped his style and and followed him, and were trying to be little little Bobby Grossmans instead of (laughs) Robert Grossman. Uh, So uh, certainly he is somebody to emulate. And but uh, but he was always keeping fresh. He was uh, the the work looks fresh. It doesn't look uh, you know like by the work of an elder guy at the end, you know, hobbling along at the end of his career, you know, uh, it it, it looks, you know, fresh as, as, you know, as as today, you know, and it's all, it's just, uh, I mean, to, 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 I mean, I I don't know how you put that together, like a Victorian feel that looks like super, like it was, you know, done just today and by a guy on the cutting edge, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, Wow, how you how did you pull that off?
0: And there's a psychedelic edge to it too. Yeah, yeah. there is. I well, can remember. Uh, sorry, uh, back before the internet, when uh, Grossman did a cover, say for Rolling Stone or those those illustrations he had in Playboy, I would tear them out and put them uh-huh. in my put him in my reference file <laughs> because that's how we did it back then. You know, you couldn't right. just hop on the computer and Google a person's name to see uh, the right, work. Right and i i I mean my Grossman file was pretty thick at one point, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: you had a gross of uh tear sheets from yeah
0: gross- uh and another thing about the book too, while we're on the subject is it's not sanitized for your protection there's a, a mm-hmm. there's a fair amount of of nudity in it and a little bit of sex, so it's it's not um it's not even uh, behind
1: the scene balls. Yeah, it's it's not a <laughs>
0: a young uh readers book. It's 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 more along the lines of a, of a teen. There's nothing explicit in it. Uh but more along the lines of a, a late teen on Yeah, book. I was
2: going to say older teen. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah.
2: No, uh, it, it's rebel. It's, it's uh, he, he, uh I've I've met a number of like brilliant older some of the most brilliant older cartoonists uh like uh uh, james flora and uh some of the disney animators uh that were big robert crumb fans and so i I think crumb open in the 60s uh opened up a lot of things for a lot of people you know so and and i'm i i didn't get to talk with with robert about how he might have been influenced by crumb i mean i don't think his artwork looks like it or or he's, he doesn't write about the same kind of things and in, in, in this book or anything like that it's not like an underground comic or something crumb would do now but i think uh crumb in the underground comics kind of opened up for a lot of older guys who were like on the edge you know i i, I would go visit some of the older ones and they, they all had crumb comics uh in, in in their studios, you know, and, and I think uh, so. So this, you know, so so, I, so Robert wasn't shy about you know showing little uh, little skin and a little uh, real life about uh, the mating rituals and uh, you know of his moon creatures, you know. But it's it's all it's uh, I don't think anyone would call it dirty because it's all kind of there's an innocence about it, you know, right. and it's it's refreshing and it's. And it's paradise, you know. You, I don't think you expect to be wearing a suit and tie in in paradise. You expect to be, you know, prancing around in the in the skin God God gave you, you know. Yep. So uh, I, I think, uh, you know, you you see that in the story. And I, I don't think, you know, I it's maybe not for like you said. It's not it's not uh, uh, Captain Underpants or, or right. uh, something like that it's not for that age group but as i don't think any adults are going to be any uh, unless there is quite puritanical and prudish i don't think anybody's going to be really offended because it's it's it seems like the nudity seems like wholesome fun
0: yes it's very objective nudity there's nobody having sweaty sex there's sex in it but they're not sweating yeah (laughs) so so. it's a good thing yeah uh and you said this took him uh 10 years to produce yeah,
2: yeah, he worked on it for for over a decade, and uh, wow. and uh, in the PDF, I I hope that the, the were the end papers in there, which yes. is a, a, a you can see and I mean I'm I'm so thrilled that we have that picture of him working on the book in his crazy studio. I mean, yeah. After the lunch, we went to his studio, and you can see the giant. Uh, I hate to use the word mess, but uh, creative mouse from you know tornado that his studio was is and so you know if, if you could pull back in that photo and see his whole layout it was the whole place was just kind of like that but you can kind of see him pulling things from here and there and and on the drawing board all these panels and different stages that he's sketching out to put this book together you know you can see just the you know the the him creating you know and it's just like you can you can just that when you open up, just opening up. I mean, the cover of the painting he did is is wonderful. But just when you open up the endpapers, you you can you and see him just working on this beautiful photograph of him working on the book. You can you can see like, wow, I'm in for something really special. You know, yeah. here's a like, here's this incredible craftsman in this magical place. You know, and I see him in the act of creation you know of of this book that i'm a i'm i'm holding in my hands. you know you're in for for a ride you know that you know a
0: wonderful scenic uh, thrill thrill ride right and the thing that really spoke to me about that photo is the the chaos which i love and and it just lends it lends me to believe even more that. Grossman was a master um, manipulator of his own mind and he can keep all that straight like he has his drawings pasted to the top of the board to remind him of what he's doing but I mean it's just a whirlwind of, of stuff in this room but he's not it doesn't look like he's one for comfort because that chair he's sitting on does not yeah. look extremely <laughs> comfortable uh, yeah it's, it's,
2: and he sat on that chair for seventy right. years.
0: Right. Yeah. It's just a stiff back metal it, cheap chair, he and got, it's like...
2: got the chair at the hardware store seventy years yeah. previous. Yeah. And because he, he wanted to sit down and draw, he wasn't thinking about like the aerodynamics right. of the chair.
0: No padding on the seat at all. <laughs> he's like, screw it. I just need something to plop down on. That's yeah. awesome. And yeah. Then,
2: and then he got, and then you can see he, he's got his his brush. Or his pen dipped into the the you know the little non uh, special bottle of ink Higgins ink, and uh, you know he, he's just he, he's just dipping it in so he can. But he's he's totally you can see he's he's focused. He's in the moment. Oh yeah. He's in, oh, yeah. You know he, he's 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 in this world.
0: Right. You know. Yeah. No frills. He's
2: kind of uh, he's kind of just tracing what he sees on on the paper which is what he sees in his mind which he's knowing because he's living he must have been living the book somehow he must have been in it he must have been one of the characters or or something he must his process must have just been incredible and you can see to his left in the uh, in in the photo these paintings he did based on it which we used as an opener for the for the book
1: yeah those are great
2: yeah And, uh, he, he, I I didn't get to talk to him before we finalized the book. Well, I taught, he showed me the paintings and I thought, well, maybe we can use these some way. And that's as far as in some way. And that's as far as the conversation went in that day, which was the last time I saw him. But, you know, when we started thinking about the book and putting it together and his, his family found some more paintings, uh that he had done uh, about this world. We thought like, wow, this would be, you know, it's just, it's like the opening of a movie, you know, like so many amateurs, they start the movie just with the the title screen, you know, and most movies still do maybe, but, you know, for some, there's this, you know, this pre, pre (laughs) chord.
1: I'll
0: get you.
2: (laughs) Part of, you know, before the story really starts, you know, that, uh, and so we thought we, we would use the paintings in that, in that way. And I I would like to think it works. So you tell me.
0: Oh, no, I think it's like a preamble. Like there's, there's something out there. Uh, here's a couple of glimpses. Uh, we're going to wet your whistle uh, or your appetite, and then we're going to usher it in full blown in the coming pages. I thought it worked very well. Yeah.
2: Okay. good, good, good.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty flawless uh, presentation. Um, uh, just to think that this man, this master illustrator, committed to this project for a 10-year-plus span, can you – wow. I mean, obviously, he knew he wasn't going to get a return on his investment. How much can you pay a guy to do a 10-year project? I mean, if you paid him by the hour, yikes, Right. <laughs> Um, yeah but who
2: could afford to
0: so you could tell that just uh just in the numbers that he was invested in this project not for any kind of monetary gain, but because he had to tell this story yes and okay. and that's one of the the truisms of the book that there's there's a a veracity or a truth in the pages that uh unlike the events of the book there's a truth in the book that you accept and you're unwavering in the fact that you know that this is an honest presentation it's it, yeah you can't tell that that grossman had an agenda or whatever he wanted to you know show the kids that you know the old dog still got the trick he just wanted to tell this damn story and yeah i i, I like that a lot
2: yeah no there is an honesty to it and every single line i mean and there's a lot of lines in it And you can see why in a way you can see why it took 10 years because it is an intricate story. Right. You don't get, you don't get lost in that sense. Like, Oh, I can't figure, remember what's or figure out what's going on. It's intricate in that there, there is, there are a lot of characters, but it it does, it does make sense within its, its own world. But you can tell like, wow, I can see why it would take over a decade because the intricacy of the story and all these characters and all the, He's balancing real-life events and real-life people with with these fanciful characters and, uh, you know, naked women with bat wings and, and, and everything else. He's putting this all together, so it must have taken a lot of thought. And then the drawings. I mean, the drawings, even if he was illustrating somebody else's story, which is, you know, as an illustrator, it was mostly what he was doing in his uh be, before he did this i mean it would have taken a lot of time to do this artwork you know and in a way i'm amazed he, he could do it in 10 years at all it, it could be a 20 or 30 year project for some. yeah uh, but he was a master he, he was zen like i think you know i mean going back to the photo you can see he was in he, he was like in a zen like psychedelic state you know that when, when he was doing this, and you can tell, if, even if you didn't know the photo, or if you didn't know him, or if you didn't know the times he grew up in, you could tell like this is a guy that you know he's he's naturally brilliant, and he he's like in another world when he's drawing, and we're just the lucky you know viewers of you know what he's 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 creating.
0: Right, and you could tell that he's a seasoned illustrator just by the fact that the each image is littered with lines there's a there's a high line count in in most of of the imagery but he's very understated with the wash he he's not doing anything fancy with the with the gray tones he's just making the the foreground and he's separating the foreground from background and using it to to his advantage making stuff pop but it's not there's not a, a whole lot of variation within each gray, which is really nice because he's not, it doesn't fight the line. Right, 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 right. This is this is a great book,
2: and every line seems like yeah, it's supposed to be there. It's not yep. too many, not not too little, and any uh you know as 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 my myself being an illustrator, like he tackles scenes that like. Gee, maybe I should write this different so I don't have to illustrate this scene. It seems very complex or something. I, I don't think he, I don't think he, I, I don't think he thought for a nanosecond like, oh, I'm not going to do this uh, scene of the drugstore and show all the you know bottles in the background or something like that. I'll just uh, you know black it out or something. You know what I mean? He he, 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 he just naturally like. I mean, as evocative as his own photo is, I mean, these panels are in some photos of these real and unreal worlds to capture every beautiful detail, you know, and he he doesn't, there's, you never feel one panel is a cheat, or, uh, you know, he kind of cop out drawing it, everything seems fully realized you know and and beautiful in it's in its own way
0: right and for every uh sequence of fantasy the stuff on the moon um there's sequences that are grounded in reality like he had to do uh, i'm guessing a lot of research was necessary for this book because you're talking new york city in 1835 so you, you have architecture you have uh fashion uh um, transportation. He needed to to lock down all of these things pertinent to that period. Um, the stage show, w- while there's some fantastic elements to it, the interior of that, the the, uh, the 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 stage and and all the environs with the 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 balconies and everything. It's like wow, you know, you just don't pull this out of your mind the, these are, are things that exist in the real world and these took the time to make sure that they would uh mesh with the time period in the book perfectly and it's yikes it, it's just a, a herculean project that again you're right now the more the more that we we talk about it the more i i can understand how it took 10 yeah. years to do this
2: yeah yeah no it is it must have been meticulously researched in the costume I mean, i i once heard that for the Academy Awards that period pictures always win best costume or something and people that don't do period costume people that do costumes for non-period pictures complain about that but you know there is a beautiful uh, art to to capture to capture what is old and uh, do it with and make it so believable to people who are you know many decades away from that period you know where they can Fall into that world and and, and, and experience it, you know. And, and he must have done on all the costuming and and articles in the drugstore and on the stage and everything. He must he must have done a lot of research. Boy, he does really pull from a lot of decades, though, because he is pulling from the eighteen thirties. But he's got like a like a, a night a kind of a souped up rocket nineteen fifties car that right. goes to the moon. And like you said, there and then there's 60s psychedelia in here, and there's like, there's just uh, you know it's so rich. That's a word a word we haven't used, but it didn't make him rich, but he certainly did rich uh, illustrations. That you know they're just engros- engross if Grossman did engrossing
0: artwork <laughs> for sure. Good try. Uh, the <laughs> the piece at the end, the whole truth. Very welcome addition. I'm glad that's in there because um, Grossman goes character by character and incident by incident. And and he'll tell you that in our reality, it happened this way, but I did it this way because. And he goes through Poe and Clement Moore and Audubon. And it's really, again, it just speaks to the number uh, of hours of research he must have put into this. And not not only researching facts, but... Thinking just just mulling over ways to push these facts around creatively and make them work for the story that it's uh, exhaustive. Yeah, it's mm. yeah. It was
2: it was that a a fantastic, fun and you know again engrossing way to in the book to to give us a little peek behind his research and yeah. uh, how he put it together and uh he's not he, he's not here to be interviewed by you esteemed gentlemen uh right now but I, I, in that he kind of he he gave us a f- fascinating you know scene behind the scenes uh about how he put together the book and so you
0: know I, that that's one of my favorite parts of the book too is just uh the afterward you know right well you're you're, I, I, you're crossing no. worlds right i mean he's no longer mm-hmm. here to to talk to us but he these words survive. And so yeah. all this information he's imparting to you, and it's like it's coming, it's like a transmission from wherever he is now. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I'd like, David. I'd
2: like to think he's in a good place. He certainly d- deserves a paradise uh in naked women with bat wings floating around. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Uh,
1: as long as he doesn't sneeze. Just don't sneeze. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh.
2: So I, I'd like to think he's listening in on our conversation tonight, and, uh, and he's and he's happy that this is being recognized. And uh, I know his his family is is, is quite thrilled that to get an, uh, this Eisner nomination, they they feel some vindication that you know all the all his hard work and our efforts to present it well, and uh, you know because we had to make a few decisions after he was gone, like because I would have loved him to give a final uh, sign off on how we put together the cover or use the paintings in the beginning or, you know, the paper we used or whatever, but he wasn't here to do that. So him him and his very talented and creative family, the the nuts don't fall far from the tree, uh, but they were extremely helpful and, Terrific to work with, and uh, before and after the book, and even now, as, as we're trying to get the word out about it, they've been, uh, you know, uh, uh, wonderful to work with. You know, so uh, they, they, they're like him, uh, uh, you know, passionate and creative, and uh, and uh, and anxious to see their father's work get recognition. So, you know, it, it's it, the whole process for me has been a great
0: pleasure. All right. Well, it's the fact that. After your little dinner meeting, the fact that he just handed you the book at the end—that yeah. that says a lot about his trust in you. That's that he—he uh, he probably took a look at your output and it's like, all right, this guy knows what he's doing. I'm gonna—I'm—I'm I'm confident that I could just give him this thing and he'll do right by it.
2: Uh, I'm—I I am—I've I, thought about it, and in some ways, I don't know what to think about it, but. uh a, a little honesty here, since maybe I'm inspired by Grossman, who, who who's in his work and in his life is so honest. But I, I I was surprised that he wanted me to publish this. I mean, he knew me through Facebook, and uh, you know, I I think you kind of do, kind of uh, people kind of get an idea of what I'm like through my Facebook. I'm kind of revealing, but he didn't really know me. And here, here's a guy who, you know, did covers for Rolling Stone and Time Magazine and New York Magazine and National Lampoon and all the book publishers in New York City. Yet somehow he, he felt after 10 years and after finishing the book, he decided to contact me, which, you know, Yo Books is, is, we're part of a larger company, IDW, very happily. So, but we're still, a, you know, we're still, uh, a, you know a, a small press yo books and uh the, the fact that he entrusted me to do this just like i'm glad and i'm honored but I'm um, I, I i gotta admit i i was surprised but somehow he saw a kinship that we had and he entrusted me with it and i you know i'm i'm, I'm humbled by it you know and, and honored and and Honestly, though, a little quizzical, you know. So I, so I, you know, uh, as a result, man, maybe this was part of his thinking. I I take, I take, uh, you know, I'm very evangelical about the book and really want people to know about it and turn people on to it and and get the word out and uh, you know, and and everyone who has, I finally got it into their hands, you know, has discovered a wonderful treasure. So I, I never felt like you know the end result has always been like oh well you know you know they they, they realize now that i wasn't just pushing some flim flam on them some fake news (laughs) on it it's not fake news this really is you know one one of the masterpieces of graphic novels
0: yeah i don't think you should slight your work like that i mean I, i know that's that's how you do but you've produced a hell of a lot of great books over the years Thank you very much. Yes, I,
2: I, I do deeply appreciate that, and I highly regard you guys. So to to hear that from you is makes me feel good. Yeah. Well, this uh, is a this is a feel good interview tonight.
0: That's I why should, we're here. Yeah, it's what I we should. do. Uh, Jason's still uh, having internet problems. Oh, yeah, but, but he, he has ha- questions. He does. David, why don't you ask them so we can hear you uh, for a change?
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, well, this is weird. No. Is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like a medium. Uh, so he wants to know, uh, how do you go about your publication process? Is it mostly inbound? Um, how do you decide on budget? And do you always publish assuming you can turn a profit?
2: Wow.
1: Well, Jason's yeah, the numbers guy. It. Yeah. He
2: yeah. I thought this was 11 o'clock news, and now I've learned it's, you know, <laughs> CNN business. CNBC, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh let me try to tackle this. Uh uh what was the first question? Uh, the first question is 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 stuff inbound meaning does it come from other
0: people? I would assume well, yeah. How do you, how do you pick the the subjects of the the publications you produce? Mm-hmm.
2: Well, uh I mean I have to have a passion for it and it's interesting because I'm just publishing work that I love, and and yet people have said that you know they they see it. They people outside of me in our publishing view us in a way that's always intriguing to me, and they they think of us as publishing. I think un- unusual books, things that maybe other people wouldn't do. And, uh, and and that we have a certain, uh, personality to our books. And even though they do cover a lot of ground, there's a a certain, uh, uh, attitude uh, about the books and, 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 and the books have a a certain flavor and, and, uh, they're, they're part of a world. Heard of Disney world. This is your world. And again, we're not Disney world. (laughs) This is bar size. It's Yo! World, and I've, been, I've known and loved comics for a long time. I mean, I I was raised on uh, Disney Comics, Carl Barks' Uncle Scrooge and Donald Duck, and then uh, a comic that was published also at, at Dell Comics, Little Lulu, and John Stanley became a good close friend of mine. That's where I why I live where I do. John, I came to, because John turned me onto a house uh, down the street from him. And so uh I, I fell in love with comics as an you know as as a kid and I started but I put them away when I became a young teenager because I, I knew that's what you were supposed to do certainly back then there weren't nerds and geeks in in name or in rea- or out in the open as there are now so you put away comic books and you were supposed to think about you know football games and and what sex might be like and and, and 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 listen to your sister's rock and roll records, you know? So, uh, uh, but some friends of mine got turned on to, to the, to, to the first Marvel comics. And they secretly told me about, about these. Cause they thought I might be interested Because, but you had to do it, uh, secretly because you didn't want anybody to find out that as a teenager who, who, who weren't supposed to, to be into comics that you were still reading them or you started reading them again, you know, but I got turned on to Marvel comics. But while my friends instantly became what, again, wasn't a term then, but became Marvel zombies and they just stayed, they just stuck stuck with Marvel. Also, and I thought like, well, oh, there's also DC and there's Dell. And then there's New Yorker cartoonists and there's the, you know, communist political cartoonists of the twenties from, from the masses magazine. and, and there's you know Victorian cartoonists, and there's you know the, the, there's this this you know and as the years went on. Oh, and there's this other whole cartooning world out there. Robert Grossman's doing you know covers for that I that I want to tear out and put in my files from Rolling Stone and New York Magazine and National Lampoon. So I, I instantly became interested in the whole comics world. So I think my publishing efforts reflect that, and I. I I do have a lot I think my best books I mean th- this will always be one of the best ones that I luckily got to publish but I think some of my best books are are ahead you know I've been kind of there's some books that I've been working on for a decade and uh because they're they're quite uh deep and, and important and there's a lot there's a lot of new material to discover and to understand so uh, you know, there's some books and I I, I, don't, I still might be another 10 years away from them, them coming out, but because there's some some of my best things are ahead. And so many of the books are books that I, I put together. And when I say I, uh, I, I really need to say we, uh, Cleetia, uh my my wife, who I met at an Italian comic book convention when, when I was a guest there. Uh, we do this together, you know, we're yin and yang and. And uh, you know we're, we're we're partners in this in this in the giant yo enterprise. Uh, so uh, you know we put these books together. Many of them have been from me, but then over the last years, number of years, I have been starting to get books from outside. You know, like Robert Grossman. So we did a graphic novel previous. To this called Limbo Lounge by Dave Calvert, which is another amazing and very different, unusual uh, graphic novel. So we do play in the unusual stuff. I mean, when we when we did all our Ditko books, we were reprinting stuff that a lot of people didn't know about. You know, that that, that was his some more unusual stuff, and it worked on outside of Marvel and. uh you know the people unseen, but I think some of his richest and most interesting work. So, we've always kind of books that, that uh, other people were going to do. We, we haven't done a lot of superhero books, but when we did superhero books, we did the uh, you know the, the the really weird, strange, unusual superheroes. You know, rather than the 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 big name superheroes. Uh, Though, like I said, I got turned on, or returned on, to comics when I was a young teen by via Marvel comics. So last week we did come out with a a Mar- our first Marvel and more mainstream oriented book. We did a collection of all the pinups. Uh, but even that, uh, a friend of mine g- gave me that idea, uh, David Burden, and, and you know, there's been many, many. Wonderful reprints of Marvel comics over and over again, but nobody had thought to do the pinups, which are really quite wonderful and delightful. And and Stan and Jack, and especially and then also Steve and Don Heck and a couple other people that did the pinups were were obviously having a lot of fun doing them. And fun's an operating word in, in our work. Uh, I I uh, I think comics should be fun, and. uh and I think our books should be fun and the layout and design of them should be fun. And we, we take comics very seriously, but don't tell anybody because we're, no, we're known for publishing books that are fun. And I, I want to I keep – I don't want people to know that we're serious. So please, you, you promise me you're going to exercise that out when you uh, put the <laughs> tape together. Right? Yes? Yeah. I have your word?
0: Okay. Um, his Jason's second question. Um, how do you decide on budget, and do you always publish assuming you can turn a profit? I have one uh-huh. little bit of data that I don't think Jason knows, um, and when I saw it, I said to myself, Yo's not really looking to get rich from this, because <laughs> it, it, it's the, the Chilling Archives book, the Zombies book. Now, in addition to Spot Varnish on the back cover and the front cover and the end papers you went that extra couple of feet and you took a bite a die cut bite out of the lower right corner of the cover <laughs> and and I was like I
2: didn't take that bite, some zombie dude
0: right, but that's not someone who's looking to you, I mean that little added detail to the to, that added immeasurably to the book I thought just the feeling of of what was under those covers, that little die cut bite you're not looking to break the bank on these right, because <laughs> it it's because you keep adding these layers of production. It's not easy. I mean, you could have just did the cover, screw the spot varnish. It looks good the way it is. But no, and then you took a die cut bite out of it. So I'll let you answer the question, but I think that little bit of information right there that speaks a lot about your approach to publishing. Well,
2: uh y- yes, s- sad but true. That's how I will answer that question. Uh, are are you uh, a student insight into it you know many times we we put not only more production values in but a, a lot more time and that's something i was uh you may or may not know but i was creative director for jim henson and that's something that jim taught me it was, he was he he thought you you were never doing wrong if you went the extra mile to really fine-tune things and to make it as creative as is you could possibly make and, and maybe miss a deadline a little bit, maybe spend a little more money that was, should have been in the budget. Uh, uh, you know, you spend a little more and you, and, and and then you maybe throw something out at the last minute and decide to, to fine tune and revise and make better. He he felt you, you could never err by doing quality, creative work, you know? And, uh, you know, so so that's something that I, I learned from his example, and uh, it, I think it paid off better for him financially. But uh, I do feel it it pays off for for my own personal creative satisfaction, and for the readers, you know, enjoyment to, to see that you know that we we have an eye and and passion and and spend the time and money for for the. Because God and Jim Henson are in the details. So, yeah, we don't necessarily uh, start a book. I've never started a book like, well, this book could make money or let's, you know, let's let's put together a profit. uh, Let's let's put together a business plan for this book. It was it's always been like, oh, man, I love this artist or I love this material or I have this 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 thing I want to convey you know and uh that that's where the books start you know with with a creative idea and and a passion and a a love for the for the medium and uh sadly uh i mean we we've we've we're over i think we're over 10 years old now so but you know we've we've been we've been we've been we've been moving along We're, we're going we've gotten eisner on nominations and we've We've made a living, and I, and I do other things outside of this field, too, you know, so that uh, I'm not saying I get super rich on those either, but they're maybe a little more profitable than the world of comics. So uh, I'm doing a, lo- a lot of kids' books right now. I decided to get more into kid books, so I I, I, I felt like I, I, know, I know most of the players and the publishers in the comics world, but I didn't know the children's book field, so I said, well, I'm going to get an agent. So, like, within like within a, about a month she sold nine books ideas that i had to three different publishers you know so uh so i've been busy this last year between our books about comics i've been busy doing these uh kids books which are starting to come out now too so uh yeah. and and they, they they pay a little better than the, the the world of comics that's a damn good agent these, Not, are, these were damn good books. She had an easy
0: job. Well, I'm just saying, but you might n- listen
2: to this interview, and she's going to think she should get a bigger percentage. <laughs> you got to promise me that you'll exercise that out. Now. Yeah.
0: All right. Here's here's a question, and I just wanted to oh, comment.
2: I do have a wonderful, wonderful agent. No, you can't have her phone number.
0: Oh, damn it. Um, uh, back to the, your your book production. The one thing that impresses me uh, as a, an illustrator and graphic designer is when I look at my shelves. There's no question where the the Yale books reside. Like, I have all of the chilling archives with the blood drip at the top of the spine, and you you look at your shelves, and it's like, boom, there they are because it's uniform. You got this neat dripping blood effect across the entire (laughs) breadth of the series. Uh, All of your books, they just have a presence. On the shelves, the spines are beautifully illustrated. Like like you said, production values. I always know that I'm going to get a, a total package when I buy a yo book. That said, oh, thank you. Yeah. Um,
2: I thank I thank you for 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 praising my package. I don't get that very often. It's a nice, robust <laughs>
0: package. Um, but here's my question: When are we going to get another single issue ongoing series? Is that going to happen? Is soon uh or like an archival haunted horror series in that vein not not specifically horror but whatever the subject matter are we ever going to go back to seeing yo singles you mean single comic books yeah single issues
2: yeah uh i don't know i mean it, you know again i don't think we always go after the market or the the, the latest uh The latest thing or what everybody else is doing but uh i think the market is moving away from floppy comics and i certainly know and love them and i love folding them in half and putting them in my back pocket and you know and you you, and when i'm not reading them using them as a a coaster for my for my lemonade and you know that i've like i've done since i was a kid but i'm not sure that comic How marketable single issue comics are anymore, but I do I do have some ideas that I'm that I'm nursing, that I'm thinking about, that I'm I I definitely have some series involved uh, in my mind that that could be either in comics form and just like Haunted Horror and and Popeye in comics form first and then then in a then a you know a a book series. So I've got I think you'll I think I've got some great ideas which I can't tell you about. Oh, okay. I see <laughs> but, how it is. But I want you to know that I think you'll be happy
0: with my package. Oh, I always am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's so good to hear that. Uh, I, I think we need to see a lot more that w- from you. In addition to the, the awesome um, archival hardcover series that you do so well, I we all have love of uh, the floppy. And um you know, it's it's not the same, but it doesn't have to be. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. No, I, no, I, I. you know, I, I once heard that, or uh,
2: read, you know, maybe when you were going to school as a student, you heard this, that the egg is the perfect package. And it's God's package design, so we're not going crit- to, we could never criticize it. But as far as what man came up with, I think, I think the perfect package is the is the kind of hate this term the floppy comic book. Right. I mean, that is the perfect package, you know. And it was, it's, uh, it's just a, it's it's a thing of beauty and a in a joy forever, you know. I mean, it's 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 lightweight, it's portable, it's friendly, it's, uh, you know, and I and I and I love when there's multiple stories when you break the egg that there's multiple stories inside. So- when there's multiple stories inside like the good old golden age, uh, comics were, you know, there was a superhero story. Then there was a humorous story. Then there was a puzzle page and, you know, and then maybe a detective story. You know, I, I just think, I think the comics were the perfect package, such the right size and they were the right price, 10 cents, you know? So like <laughs> a kid could afford them, you know? And so like, do, do I'm really grateful for the high fluting hardback comics that, that I, I'm actually a big part of it and spot varnish and die cuts. Yes. But there is something wonderful about the, you know, the, you know, the, the package of the way comics were packaged since the, you know, the late thirties and, and that, that size and shape and, and feel and, and, and the, in the, in the, the paper, you know, the off white paper and,
0: uh, it's, it's in the smell
2: yes the smell
0: yeah well to those uninitiated to the the, the floppy world of Yale books um like your hard covers you just don't go for the basics uh your your cardstock covers are much heavier than self covers that we see every day uh your paper has a nice toothy weight to it it holds the color really well um you do a higher page count than standard issues from other publishers i mean again you're just not satisfied with hacking out average product you you take a couple production leaps higher than most companies and i I think you're all the we're all the better for it oh you're so nice
2: did we we answer all of jason's questions
0: uh does it really matter um let me see (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, I think we do. Well, let's see. How do you go about your production process, your pr- publication process? You got that? Is it mostly in okay. brown? You got that? And yeah. do you decide beforehand on a budget? And does it always? Do you always publish, assuming you can turn a profit? That I think, I think we bro—we
2: at least broached those subjects. Yeah, I mean, I, I was starting to say, I don't know if I kind of finished this thought though about you know. So I, I, I do th- come up with a lot of the ideas myself, and and uh, you know with the help I get by with a lot of help from my friends I mean when I say it's me and Cleetza we have a whole network of wonderful people who lend us comics and scan for us and proofread for us and and, uh, help us market you know so it certainly isn't a two person operation I have a network of wonderful friends that you know help help us uh, immeasurably along so But we have been, you know, taking books from outside, like Robert Grossman's and Dave Calvert's Limbo Lounge. As far as graphic novels, we're doing a, uh, we're finishing up a book right now. That's, it's going to be a major, major book and and a big game changer, and it's a very important book. And it's, uh, it has never been done before. Uh, uh, There, an esteemed comics historian has been working. Uh, I think fifteen or twenty years on this book. He's like a Robert Grossman type. He's been working on the history of uh, the the black uh, artists uh, who worked in in the beginning to the through the Golden Age of, of, of comic books. Talking about Invisible Men. Yes, the book is yes. called
1: Invisible I, Men.
2: It's on, it's on my order. order.
1: I cannot wait to get it in my hands.
2: Yes. Well, thank you. We've been working very. Ken obviously worked on it for. Uh, fifteen or twenty years, but they—he's in—he like Robert. Uh, he handed it over, and he's entrusting with us, and and we're really putting it together. I think it's going to be stunningly, uh, the way the the visuals and the word the way they're put together. It's it's going to be very rich. A, a a word that not only was could be applied to what Robert drew, but what we're putting together as far as you know, period, uh, drawings and photos and comics and uh you know just 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 want to just these all these wonderful visuals that you know that accompany uh ken's text and uh but it's it's highlighting artists who have never been highlighted and, and never been the artists weren't known and and many times the few people that maybe knew them didn't even know they were they were black and uh and and the fascinating stories of of their lives i mean some of these artists uh left comics and and uh you know went on with uh and had illustrious careers in, in uh in the fine arts world and as part of the harlem renaissance and and you know uh they uh they they became uh, advertising figures in those ads you used to see where they would have celebrities, uh, you know, tout some fine uh, wine or something in in the glossy magazines. You know, some some of these artists, you know, became very uh, well known and renowned. And and one of the artists uh, in, in, had uh, a number of. Uh, 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 sentences, long sentences in prison, you know, a, after his comic career, you know, so that there's a whole kind of story, the The, the, the artist that I'm not going to give too much away too, but though I, I could certainly couldn't do it in, in 10 podcasts because it's, it's got so much, uh, fascinating material. But I mean, the first artist that we opened the book with, uh, no one, virtually no one knew that he was black. In fact, the people he worked with and lived with in, uh, Worked for didn't know he was black. is very very light skinned. He passed as as a white so that he could get into Ivy League uh, Ivy League school and in high society and and uh, become a, a, a recognized journalist a- after his comics career and and, and uh, uh, a uh, uh, highly regarded photographer. He, so he could you know have freedom. The, the the darker skinned blacks maybe didn't half of his time but he he passed for white to the extent that he was writing editorials and newspapers as a journalist uh you know touting uh right wing uh uh white uh uh organizations that were decidedly you know uh, you know as we as we can see now were decidedly racist you know and You know, so uh, he was he was a member of those organizations and, uh, you know, praising them. So, like, I mean, and then some of the later artists that we have in the book, you know, that they're they're they became uh, big civil rights activists and they were using their art and 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 and, uh, carrying picket signs in the streets to, uh, you know, to to uh, advocate for, you know, e- e- equality. So, I mean, you know, the, the book runs a whole gamut of fascinating stories about these uh, artists that, that were part of, of uh, the the four-color world, but uh, their skin color was black, and, and, and they did some brilliant work. I mean, people that know the history of comics and, and, and love it certainly – Uh, probably the most renowned one and famous one justly so was, was Matt Baker who, who did. So we have a chapter on him and there's been material about him, but we, you know, Ken has dug up, you know, new information and new illustrations and new photographs of him. And, you know, so, so there's, you know, there's a, there's a, it's a very exciting book where we can't wait to get it out, but we are, uh, doing that yellow you know, thing where we're really taking our time and getting the design done downright and make sure it's it's it, it, it's very special, befitting the subject and 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 Ken's research, you know. So, but I think it's going to be a a big book, groundbreaking and important, and and a lot of people are going to be talking about it when when we when, when we get it out, which 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 we hope will be out for the holidays. The, uh,
1: I mean, I you it's there's I I'm, I know that this is going to just be packed full of information that because uh, you can read you know, Men of Tomorrow or Tencent Plague or or the Untold Story of Marvel which doesn't go into the Golden Age so much but you know you already know who Will Eisner and Bob Kane and Wally Wood and and you know those guys you you know who. Mm-hmm. Harvey Kurtzman this and 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 the thing they all have in common is, is they're white and, and there's, you know, the, the idea that, you no know, blacks working in comics back then is is, silly to think but but to actually know that, uh, you know, to put to put names to, the work and 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 see the work they did and even if you know I mean I'm just Blue Beetle in here and it's like you know that 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 might blow someone's mind that you know a black dude worked on blue beetle and and it's it, i like i said i um it was when, when i was making my order uh when it was in the previous previews and and uh it was absolutely one thing as um as i was putting in th- even in our previous video i i had to call attention to it because it is it's i mean even before everything that's happened over the past couple of weeks it it, it was still something that i think people should have on their shelf if if they care about the history of, of of the medium then um by all means this should be on the shelf right next to anything else that they might consider a history book but i am i am so glad to see that uh yeah no is, it's gonna out. be
2: exciting and this is i mean there's a number of books that we've done that you know you could put different tags on fun uh, on many of them this one i think uh if you had put one word it's it's important and i think it will be on a lot of it will be on fans shelves and it'll be in on in on library shelves you know and it's going to be uh in you know even among libraries it's going to be in school libraries it's going to be you know i mean it's it's yet i mean it it's not it's not like as dry history though you know it's not like you know because it's a fascinating history with fascinating artists and they did a lot of a real variety of types of material many times they were toiling for the white guys drawing white characters and mm-hmm. uh, you know and white jungle queens you know saving the black people so, so some of this stuff must have been hard for them to do and and and, 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 and you know but they they needed to take care of themselves and their family and they they didn't necessarily have a choice in this in the subject matter but but when they did have opportunities they did they did draw you know they they in a in a in an enlightened in a, in a passionate black man started a comic called uh, you know uh, all negro comics you know and uh, and you know so we have examples of that when they used the comic books uh you know, to to, to try to depict their own race and create their own heroes, and uh, so some of them uh, did beautiful, wonderful uh, comic strips in, in the many black newspapers that were in the in, in the big cities of, of, of that time. You know, and these comics that, w- that we picture and show here, uh, were, were totally unknown to the to the general public. Like everybody knows, like Blondie and and. Uh, you know beetle bailey and you know flash gordon but they didn't know all these characters that these cartoonists were creating for the black newspapers you know Mm it's like it was like another alternate alternate world which uh, you know uh, is is fun to visit an alternate world and uh, and uh see what these people's lives were like and but this isn't a this wasn't a fantasy world like robert grossman's that we visit but this this was a real world with real people and and real struggles and and joys and sorrows and it, it, it's, it's it, it too is a an engrossing story i think i think this is going to be a much talked about book
0: yeah it's amazing to contemplate the millions of pubescent boys that were pushed way over the line by Matt Baker's illustration of Phantom Lady.
1: Yes, <laughs>
0: I mean it's a famous illustration, and it it pushes all the right buttons to make a young man um, forever changed in its wake. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I saw it when I was younger, and I, and it's just it once you see it, it completely really- changes <laughs> you. Yes uh but i mean that baker like you said is one of the ones that uh for whatever reasons uh in addition to his talent rose to uh, a certain level of recognition uh yes. after the fact but i'm sure that there are uh throngs of of black writers and artists that i'm hoping this book uncovers because i want to know more right yeah yeah no you you won't be disappointed i mean you're gonna you're
2: going to have revelations and you're going to see some amazing artwork and illustrations and efforts and and uh and read some amazing you know fascinating stories of, of 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 these people's lives behind the comics. I mean many of them were they weren't even known to the editors because they would work through shops because they might be discriminated because of the color of their skin, so they would work through a comic shop rather than go directly to the publisher. Right. And so they were getting work in that way. And then they were getting, some of them were getting work during, uh, during World War II, but then uh, able to get more work uh, in the comics field, which they wanted to be maybe a bigger part of, but they couldn't because they were edged out by the white guys in the beginning of the, of the comics world. But then uh, World War II happened. So the people that, maybe were deferred for one reason or another and, and weren't active in the war, they they were able to get work in the comics field. But then when the white guys came back from the war, you know, their jobs went away. And, and in some ways, maybe they, they ultimately didn't have regrets because they, again, they did make, many of them did make their mark in the, in the fine art world or things like that, you know? So uh, after their comic foray, but uh, I mean, can it's an amazing historian, and he's uncovered a lot of amazing uh, uh, facts uh, uh, about the world of, uh, of, of these guys, and uh, it's pretty thrilling. So again, I'm really honored to be bu- to be publishing this, and this is something that I couldn't have put together. I couldn't have drawn Robert Gresens novel, and I couldn't have, uh, you know, put together this this history book. I don't have a long enough attention span, I think, to work on a Book for fifteen or twenty <laughs> years to be for one thing uh but Ken has done a masterful job and it it, it it's going to be exciting to to see people's response to it people we we have shared uh previews with with some people some some uh critics and black scholars and and uh and uh black cartoonists that are working today and and, and everybody's very very excited about it
0: cannot wait. Yeah, yay! You see the service you provide. <laughs> it it your your stuff is so worthwhile. I think, um, I mean, in terms of timeliness, this book is very important. Um, because as as you know and we all see every day, we really need to 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 fix some stuff. Yes, I mean, yeah, yes, yes. And in
2: in our own comics world, I think this will be. Uh, uh, I don't think it's gonna. Uh, you know, uh, be a magic wand to wave to make all the injustices go by, but oh, I think, no. I think it's going to shed a light on the, the the important foundational pioneering black creators, and and I, and I and I and I think it'll 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 be part of the conversation and part of and, and you know and, and and helps see people help show people the you know the richness of 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 what people of color you know have done and and are doing now and can do in the in the future it'll 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 do its small 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 slash big part to uh uh you know to to help with all that we all we're all we're all in this together everybody you know who's thinking and compassionate and you know has a heart for uh justice uh i uh, i think uh, recognize that we all got to do what we can and some people uh maybe they they, they uh enter politics but uh, me i'm publishing books about comics so so one of the things i can do is publish a book about the you know the the uh pioneering black cartoonists and and so i i'm, I'm glad we have this opportunity
0: yeah Yep. Yeah. well the massive monuments are built one stone at a time so you're just adding another stone to that and and we appreciate it and I, like as David said I said we can't wait for this book oh great 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 yeah. great uh anything we didn't cover anything you want to push to the forefront that we may have missed or overlooked
2: uh one uh, uh, i i think i'm did I send you a pdf of this we did we did a speaking of social concerns i've my whole life i've been uh very against uh militarism and war and we brought out a book of about a year ago called the unknown anti-war comics and we we uh we're very proud that's another book yeah, i'm very yes. pr- proud of and uh because it no people had said that like harvey Kurtzman's who harvey was a friend of mine so i'm not putting him down and i recognize his great EC stories that showed the uh, horrors of war, but he didn't. He didn't come out, you know, totally against war. I, I believe, uh, knowing Harvey and reading his stories, that he found a, a justification in, in, in war, and and I, I understand that point of view, and especially certainly people people that lived through a time. Can you imagine when there was Nazis and fascism and in, in the world? So I can I can see the you know the how people could l- lean towards the you know war could be justified. I mean, as a as a pacifist, I would like to think that there's a better way, and I would like to you know advocate for uh, beating swords into pl- plowshares. and And this is something I've done done with this book, where Harvey's book showed the horrors of war. There was like these unknown again unknown stories uh, that. The lowly, low rent publisher Charlton put out that had a lot of anti-war, uh, strong anti-war sentiment in them, and so we've gathered these stories. The majority of them were were uh, drawn by Steve Ditko and maybe even written by Joe Gill, who was who was an ex-soldier. So, uh, but uh, I, I find these stories fascinating and hard-hitting and there were wonderful parables uh advocating for peace and they were done during the cold war when many people were worried that you know uh, a war between you know t- two big nations like the u.s and, and russia could actually be the end of our world and so you know there were different people at that time that thinking mm, maybe war isn't you know <laughs> is something which should abolish and and you know, find another way to uh, live and live together. You know, so these stories have a a certain zeitgeist that you know, and and and, and, and advocacy for peace. Yet, because people like Gill and Ditko and other uh, of the better Charlton artists were involved in these, I mean, they're they're beautifully done and wonderful little stories and parables and and so I, I was very proud to gather these stories that. Have, I, I would say the vet, you know, the, uh, many of them had never been reprinted before, and there's some really strong, uh, great storytelling within them. and, hey, and you're it, not kidding.
0: Yeah, no. oh, I'm look, good. I'm looking you're at good.
2: it now. Okay, good. So you do know this book. So I, I was very. That's another book I'm proud of that I felt was important. And we got Paul Stuckey to write the introduction. I was thinking the other day because we're, we're looking for an intro writer for. Uh, Invisible men, so when I had emailing a few people I was, I thought like well, I should tell them who, who some of the uh, the intro writers are that have done book intros for our books that I've done. so I started going down to listen to be honest I was I, I was kind of amazed myself because I people who have written introductions for my book include John Updike, Demi Moore. Robert Crum, Stanley did a handful of introductions. There's Mohammed Yunus who we did I did an earlier book on anti-war political cartoons and uh he, Muhammad Yunus who won a Nobel Peace Prize. He he wrote a uh an intro to one of my uh uh books. Uh Bill Watterson wrote, wrote we have his uh introduction to my book I did on George Herman and Crazy Cat and uh you know so i i sort of like wow we've we, we've had some and then paul paul stukey of peter paul mary for the the unknown anti-war comics so i feel wow we've had
0: some pretty uh pretty hefty
2: <laughs> intro writers i i'm impressed and i'm not easily impressed
0: <laughs> as a person that analyzes and and reviews I guess, sequential art. I find your output to be particularly daunting because uh, just say in the the, uh, wake of this anti-war cartoons book, right? So Mm -hmm. you you read it, you want to discuss it, you bring it to the table and any one story in this book could generate 20, 30 minutes of discussion. How do you accurately and faithfully review a craig yo publication how do you cover all the bases in limited amount of time that's what i always find confounding about your work that i want to do justice to all the stories that are involved in it but if i did i'd be talking for three hours yeah just that
2: that i think it's the first story we put in the book i don't have it in front of me. but uh that world war one story that's in the in the front about the 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 i think it's an american uh, pilot what he's going through and thinking versus, a, uh, you know, uh, uh, the enemy pilot and, and his thoughts and his thinking and how they're parallel and a little different, but a lot the same. Right. Uh, I mean, that's that's one of the greatest stories ever done in comics, I feel. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a I mean, good I, one. Yeah. It, it, it's really strong and it's not... You know, by an artist that on everybody's lips, and it's it's never been reprinted, and and it's uh and it's and it's lost in this uh, kind of lo, lo, because it was published by this low rent publisher again, Charlton. But I just think it's one of the great stories. It's not quite up there with the master race story, but it's 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 in the same league. It's you know, yep. So uh, you know, I I I love discovering these things and sharing these uh, uh tom spurgeon once said uh, the late great critic once said it, it seems like craig's books are kind of like him you know just finding some cool stuff and wanting to share share with with other people right and so you know i, I i'm glad my books kind of have that spirit and that, that he saw that in, in them because I, I i guess that is sort of you know what i what i do
0: yeah. In addition to, um, you said Steve Ditko, and he's all over the place in this anti-war cartoons, um, tradi- I, I don't want to say traditional, but comic readers of more recent vintage shouldn't be afraid of jumping into this because there's a ton of artists they probably haven't heard of. But in this book, you have Ross Andrew and Mike Esposito. That's going to ring a lot of bells right mm-hmm. Yeah. dick giordano's in here so in addition to the the new you have the old standbys in here too and uh i think that's a, a nice approach where you mix the known with the unknown uh you you educate and inform and then with the the stuff that people already know like giordano you're you're entertaining too so you're learning yep. something
2: and, and, and by the way, I I I, I uh, I'd be remiss in not mentioning uh, Paul Stuckey of Peter Paul Mary did the forward, but uh, the intro. Did you see who the intro is by?
1: Nate Powell, right?
2: Yeah, Nate Powell of of the March books. You know, yep. he, he did the book to the Unknown Anti War uh, comics. So uh, you know, again, we try to do something a little special, a little different, and and have people of notoriety help in, introduce. Uh, introduce the books and so you know we like we like to you know some people uh, our historical collections that we do some people are like oh that's old stuff but we'd like to use contemporary people and interesting people to introduce them and and show that these these you know the stories we try to pick are, are timeless they do resonate with you know people today so we we don't just Print old stuff that's, you know, just be, should be stuck on a library shelf and nobody take out. But we try to, you know, do a book that that is going to be highly circulated in the library and, and, and you know, and, and people who are in, into comics will, will enjoy, you know, no matter where they're coming from. Yeah.
0: And the end papers are gorgeous. Oh, thanks. Yeah. yeah. I just love the end papers. Oh, thanks. Really man. nice stuff. All right. Well, we've covered a lot of bases and um, informed a lot of people, but please get yourself out there. You said they can download and read um, Life on the Moon for free?
2: Absolutely free, a 100% discount. It's like an $18 download, and, and uh, uh, on the IDW site, uh, uh, they can get it for free. Maybe uh, I- I'll send you the, uh, the URL that goes right, right to this free offer. If, okay. It, it, can you put that, uh, when you uh, sort of on your page when you, uh,
0: yeah, sure. Yes.
2: So they can look for it there, the, the listeners. And, uh, uh, it's, it, I believe to, it's the schedule is tomorrow is the last day that this, this offer. And then I hope they will consider if they're an artist or writer or retailer and they do ha- have the same enthusiasm that you and I have for the, book they they would kindly consider voting for it in, in the uh in the uh Eisner nominations that said you could put that there too that's at vote, eisnervote.com and it's in the graphic album new category and uh you know we 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 love that kind kind consideration I would love to I would love to see Robert uh garnish uh this well-deserved prize
0: well, make sure you send me those links, to tweet because this episode's yeah. going up in about an hour.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I'll, do right <laughs> after, I'll do it right after this.
0: All right. So everybody, make sure, in addition to Life on the Moon by Grossman, put these books on your radar. Invisible Men, the trailblazing black artist of comic books by Ken Quattro. And do not forget the unknown anti-war comics, uh, which was uh, edited by some guy named Craig Yeo yeah uh, I've, I've heard him i heard of him <laughs> you got some didco and a whole bunch of great great artists in there um i got it we got to thank you for for being here it is always a freaking pleasure when you come
2: oh I, it's my great pleasure C- could i give one last plugola to also our our the YoBooks website which is YoBooks.com. that's easy enough to remember yeah uh, 'cause we we 've we 've done over a hundred books, and so there 's a lot more that we didn 't talk about tonight but there 's something for i think i 'd like to think there 's something for everybody absolutely yeah cool sign I, but I really uh enjoy being on your show. You guys are great guys sorry we 're not going to be at heroes con together as we usually are, but uh next year
0: yes
1: we 'll catch absolutely. up like crazy.
2: And you guys are usually masked because of your cosplay, and uh, you know.
1: <laughs> and that's what heroes is known for. When, when I you see, know,
2: but, and, but this year uh, <laughs> we're we're going to celebrate by putting our masks on at home. But we'll see you there next year. Yeah,
0: and let's not make it another year or more in between your appearances on this show. That's let's-
2: that's good. Our, 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 I'm 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 neighbors with one of you is that still a well I,
1: I i moved from putnam valley to Peekskill. you're still barely
2: a stone's oh, throw
1: away I, listen i picked up uh
2: burritos tonight in Peekskill and brought them home so all right there you go <laughs> next but time yeah. i drive through with my mask uh, I'll definitely wait. okay all right thank you gentlemen i uh you guys are gentlemen and scholars and uh and uh, it was a great pleasure to be with you.
0: Yes. Always a joy. Good night, Craig.
2: Good night. Sleep tight. And I'll send you URLs.
0: Thank you. Excellent. Well, we have him absolutely bamboozled because gentleman and scholar, two words that I never expect to be associated with myself or you. <laughs> Maybe scholar. Gentlemen, I don't know. but we we have we pulled the wool right over his eyes no just kidding uh yeah he's such a great guy and um never cease to learn things whenever i talk to mr yo it's true yeah he's he's just bubbling over with enthusiasm and information and just goodwill to all areas of, of comics so yeah check out his stuff he gave you the links but if you didn't hear them the first time around we're going to have them up on the uh, 11 o'clock comics website 11 o'clockcomics.com. go to the link for this episode which as we said is six seven eight and they'll be there vote for life on the moon do it if you're if you're available to vote do it yep so that's that um i think we'll keep it tight and right this time around um we don't have jason breathing down our necks to to end it but uh let's let's just give mr yo his due and and focus solely on him uh if you would uh like the more of the 11 o'clock comics experience go to twitter and reddit and instagram and facebook because we have a presence there remember we have a patreon patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics do yourself a favor and check out Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com. Remember those specials. Mars Attacks Red Sonja, number one, $1.99. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Last Ronin, number one, $4.49. And From a Blaze, The Sumerian People of the Black Circle, number one, which is a paltry $2.19. In Your Travels, that was a very long-winded way of getting to the in your travels but it needed to be said in your travels i have to go get it give me one second it's right it's right here it's right there yeah it's i got it on you the table it. over there hang on you got it right there Think I'm ready. You think? Ah, here we go. Sure? Yes, got it. I would like you to read from Holiday House. It was written by Guillaume Perrault, translated by uh Francois Buy. It's called The Postman from Space. From space. Yes, The Postman from Space. It is a wonderful graphic novel about an interstellar postman named Bob. And Bob has a regular route, and he loves his regular route. He loves the fact that he can get up in the morning and know exactly what his day is going to be. He knows all of the people he'll encounter on his route, he knows all of the ways to get to the places. On his route, let's just say Bob likes routine. But one day, Bob goes into work, and uh, the boss, which is a green, mustached, cyclopean squid with polka dots, and he smokes, um, tells Bob, yeah, we got a little something different this week. Uh, I'm changing up the routes you're you're reassigned. You're going to be going to different places every day. And Pop's like, whoa, 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 whoa. wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. I have my route. I love my route. I want to go on my route. And the boss is like, no, I'm sorry. You've been, we're shuffling the deck chairs. But I was like, okay, all right. So for the remainder of the book, it's not broken up into chapters, but it is, but they're not called chapters. They're called deliveries. So delivery number one, Bob has to bring uh, a long tubular parcel to a, a strange planet. And he, as he's bringing the, the package to the recipient, and he's at a loss because he doesn't really know where he's going. He's like asking people, Hey, how, did, how the hell do I get here? Um, he's, he brings the, the tube and he's wondering, like, what's in this tube? What could it possibly be? Is it a giant loaf of French bread? Is it a pool cue? Maybe it's a snake. Wow. And he's like mulling over all of the possibilities within the tube and it starts to get dark and it starts to rain and he comes upon giant tomatoes massive massive tomatoes and bumps smack dab into a giant purple-ish farmer and the farmer's like hey watch out little guy and bob's now in the mud because it's raining pretty profusely and Bob uh, the innocence of the the postman kind of sways this giant farmer, and he Bob gives him the parcel, and what do you think it is? It's an umbrella, it's a massive umbrella, and now Bob falls in the mud and in the tomato and he goes back to the ship and he's covered in goop and gets in there, and he's not happy that he has to go to another place now that he has no idea of the surroundings. But that's the point of the book. That in encountering all these new people and all these new locations, Bob's life changes. From from doing the routine every day, he missed out on a lot of things in life. Now that the world, or in this case, the universe is wide open to him, the possibility of learning and growing becomes very apparent. I thought this thing was awesome. It was only $12.99 for a 140-page graphic novel. A very thin uh the line weight never changes. It's this um very thin weight line. Uh it's massively colorful. But it, I think this would appeal to a broad spectrum of uh, of readers. Uh, anybody can read it. Um, it uh, children, old folks, In you're going to learn something from it. It was amazing. The Postman from Space, from, uh, what did I say? Holiday House, by Guillaume Perrault, translated by Francois Bui. Get it? I implore you, you'll love it. And it's not going to break the bank. It's only twelve ninety nine. Much less if you get it from in stock trades or that other place that people get books from. So you you will grow after reading this. It's wonderful.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I had I was torn because I actually finished uh, two things before. Uh, Life on the moon, so I think. Um, I'll go with You Are All Just Jealous of My Jetpack, which is a collection of comics by Tom Gold. Uh, Mr. Gold is a uh, cartoonist whose work uh, has graced The Guardian uh, over across the pond this is a uh, this is a collection of strips that uh, were featured there um he is also regularly published in the new york times uh, his graphic novel Goliath is published by Drawn Quarterly he lives in london with his family tomgold.com uh to um look at cartoons and and uh and purchase art but this is this was when I saw this um solicited in previews and and talked it up on um on my video, I didn't when I saw the title of the book, I, I had to chuckle. And then um and I really like Tom's style. I like his figure work. But um I'm not it's just, so when I saw online, I was like, Well then I'm definitely getting this book because it's 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 a great price and um it's uh, it's got some spot varnish on the cover, and, and it's got the little um, the cloth binding with the with the wrap. It, it's it's a nice presentation, but it's um, Gold is a uh, is a literature nerd, and he's keen on sci-fi as well. But um, it's it's the it's the delivery of of the jokes it's um because i don't i'm definitely i didn't get um i could do some research and absolutely get every single thing that's going on in these cartoons but um you know when it comes time to to the literature aspect of it i'm not gonna get everything and and that's fine um but but you know there, there are a couple here that absolutely had me um laughing Hysterically, just because of, of these are conversations that I know um, people would have. So, so there's one strip called "The Serious Rock Critic," and it's just it's four panels, and and it's it's a uh, it's it's an older guy leaning over a um, a younger person. And he's like, "Aha, a youngster stealing music, no doubt, because the youngster is is at a computer." And the youngster basically says, "I'm collaborating online with musicians all over the globe to create an electronic symphony." The old man says, I've written 32 books about Led Zeppelin. The youngster says, I'm quite busy, actually. The old man says, Mick Fleetwood once fell into my pond. The young guy says, can you go away now, please? And then that's it. That's the entire strip. But just I could hear. Obviously, it's not funny as, as I'm explaining it to you. But when you see it on the page and you just and, and you have this conversation going on in your head as you're reading the strip, it, it really I had to stop for like three minutes and just and and compose myself so I could keep reading the book. There's there are there are a lot of strips in this collection um, like that. There are some that are, you know, depending on how well read you are or or what you know about Hemingway or um, or, you know, the Brontes, you may get a bigger chuckle out of those strips. Um, But there's it's it's it reminds me to some degree of the far side um but yeah i just i had a lot of fun with it and and um i'm I'm going to revisit it and and like you would do with Alice's planetary if you come across something you don't quite get because of how steeped in pop culture it is or whatever the hell warren was thinking about that day when he wrote that character you have time to do some research on it so um that's that's what i plan on doing i'm going to take some of the strips that 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 Kind of maybe went over my head, um, and find out what makes it funny. And some of it might also be lost in translation because of the difference in locations. Um, there may be th- there may be something current or timely in one particular strip that was funny at the time. Um, that, uh, however, much time has passed, um, may not sting uh today regardless this is a fantastic collection i i again i love gold's style um i will be going back to the website when when um when i first looked it up and i went to his site there were some um there were some strips some original art that uh i had my eye on so i think i'll be heading back to the site to see what's available um and 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 get something for my wall, but there's um yeah th- this was a lot of fun. you're all just jealous of my jetpack um, published by drone and quarterly uh, it is a uh, fancy little hardcover collection. I enjoyed it a lot and um and and again i i I don't know if I'm necessarily the target audience for this, but I still had a lot of fun with it i um I will definitely look for more work by Tom. And, um, and add it to my library. I like his stuff, too. Nice. Yeah, very funny.
0: All right, everybody, that's it. We're all done. Um, sorry, Jason, wish you could have been here, but it happens. Uh, he'll be here next time. Big, big, big thank you to Craig Yo for gracing us with his presence one more time. If Remember, if you want those links for everything Craig talked about, Go to our website 11oClockComics.com. six seven eight is the episode number. Click on that. There you go. They'll be there. So, we love you. That's a, pretty much standard. But in the meantime, say good night. Hmm <laughs>
1: doop doop doop. Good night.
0: I'm not making all those same noises again. I I'm don't. Re- I don't repeat past performances. Sorry. You really
1: had one job, bro. I know. David. Nice.
0: There you go. Do it. EOC. Twitter. Reddit. Instagram. Facebook. Patreon.com forward slash Eleven O'clock Comics. We will be back very, very soon with more stuff. Indeed.